0: Hello, Moonshot listeners. I want to play a game. Claudia and Nicole are being held in the basement of an undisclosed abandoned building. Their task is to watch every movie in the Saw franchise before the release of Saw 10 on September 29th and provide thoughtful analysis. Your challenge is to listen to them cover two Saw films a week in their new miniseries, We See Saw, every
1: Monday and Thursday here on the Moonshot Network. Let the game begin.
0: and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline.
1: And I'm your other host, Jane.
0: And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Sword of Summer. How are you doing today,
1: Jane? I Jacqueline. Sometimes, sometimes things happen to you.
0: To me? Sometimes
1: you may, you know, to, to me, to you, to, to, to anybody who may be listening, who sometimes makes mistakes in their life. yeah. Sometimes you you get a pumpkin for Halloween and you put the pumpkin um, in the bag in your room. Uh-huh. Uh and then, and this is the important part, uh, you forget that the pumpkin is there. Jane. And you only realize when you are walking around in your room and then you realize that your carpet is wet.
0: Jane. <laughs>
1: And you think, oh, that's very strange. What if the pipe is, like, burst under under the rug or something? That'd be really bad. And you trace oh it back my... to the bag, and you, you open it, and it's just, like, orange goo. Oh my god, Jane. And sometimes... Sometimes for several days after that, the carpet remains wet, and the room continues to smell of rotting pumpkin. <laughs> did you not clean it up? I did clean it up. I, I got rid of that shit immediately. I scrubbed the carpet, but I just... Every time I put a towel down, I pick it up, and it's damp. This has been going for days <laughs> i it's just there is there is I, so much juice in pumpkins.
0: I think you're gonna need to get down on your hands and knees and do some fucking scrubbing i did i did
1: scrub I've done so much scrubbing
0: oh no you 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 did too much scrubbing, and now it's in the carpet forever <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's that's how I'm doing that's my fucking lament for this week how are you Jacqueline I'm okay
0: uh-huh
1: uh Uh, I also want to give a quick shout out to a friend of the show Mint uh, one of our patrons who um, when I told her about this replied that it wasn't the worst thing that has happened to a pumpkin that's been taken into a trans woman's house thank you for that very helpful I was I was like considering
0: if that was like the kind of story you were about to tell in our podcast (laughs) I don't think you would, but
1: no, it would be cold and gross.
0: Yeah, well, no, I I don't think you if you, I don't think you would say if you had. I'm not saying you uh, would do it. I think you might. <laughs> no, In a No, sorry, I, I shouldn't speculate. But um, anyway, it, I'm doing no, this okay. This is interesting.
1: It's good. It's good to know what you think of me. <laughs> I
0: I think you're an adventurous lass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I. I'm doing good. Uh, this is our second recording and our first main episode recording since I got back from Extra Life, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the first time that you've not been, we're doing a main episode where you're not sick as a fucking dog.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot, I, we tried to. I, Jane, like, told me to fuck off and kick you up recording. <laughs> uh, you
1: sounded yeah. like you were dying.
0: Uh Yeah, I guess I did. Um, But yeah, Extra Life was awesome. Raised $6,000, lost the title belt. Uh, That's fucked. It is fucked. Uh, Riley Hopkins. Well, they did, and you lost. They didn't one v one me as the thing. It was a four ah. v. It was a. It was one v one v one v one, and I fell off the stage. They didn't get the KO on me. I, I fell off the stage.
1: I see. So 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 you didn't even have to be defeated by someone else. You fucked it up entirely yourself.
0: <laughs> you always have something fucking smart to say, don't you? <laughs> oh well yes that is what happened um but one day one day i'll reclaim it uh and for now i'm reclaiming my spot uh uh-huh and for now i'm reclaiming my spot as world's most productive podcaster Uh uh-huh shall we get into these summaries does that mean that you remember to do the summaries i'm gonna kill
1: you (laughs) (laughs) anyway i'll just uh, i'll just get on with the summaries Thank you. <laughs> uh, chapter 47. I psychoanalyze a goat. Magnus bolts awake and is greeted by a goat who is giving him mouth to mouth, just as Loki predicted. The goat is Tang Noxter, otherwise known as Otis, who is comically depressed. Magnus uses his healing powers on Sam and Hearth. Sam heals up easy, but Half has a big ball of trauma and pain buried inside him that makes the process much more taxing on Magnus. In fact, Magnus exerts so much effort that by the end he's glowing, nearing the point of self-combustion from overusing his magic. The contact also allows Hearth to give Magnus a psychic message where he thanks him and mysteriously refers to him as brother. After the trio are roll up, Otis reveals that he belongs to Thor, and he's actually been sent to get assistance for his master. We also learn that he's similar to Seimnir, the tofu beast that the Einherjee kill and eat every night because Otis can also be killed, eaten, and then re-killed again. Magnus pulls out Jack, who is able to get a fix on Thor's location, and leads the group across the difficult terrain of Jotunheim. Chapter 48. Hearthstone passes out even more than Jason Grace, though I have no idea who that is. As they're traversing Jotunheim, Hearth hands Magnus a stone with the Pertho rune on it, which symbolises an empty cup. After he passes out, Sam explains that this is because magic users like Hearth have to experience incredible suffering to empty themselves out and let the magic in, like a cup. For Harth, that suffering was the way his parents treated him. Not only did they resent him for being disabled, but they weren't shy about being disappointed that Harth's able bodied brother was killed in an accident, telling Harth outright that they wished he had died instead. The choice that Mimir gave Harth, that bound him to the service of the Karpo, was between having working hearing and the acceptance of his folks, and learning rune magic. Harth chose the latter. Magnus questions why his magic doesn't seem to work this way, and Sam explains that since his Alf Seder is an inheritance from his father, he can use it without having to fill those conditions. However, inherited magic comes with an effectively static power set, so it's much less versatile and potentially less powerful than learned rune magic. The gang also realise that they lost an entire day while unconscious. It's Sunday, with only three days left until the wolf house appears. Finally, they arrive at Thor's campsite, but Otis's brother Marvin is waiting impatiently, as it's taken ages for the other goat to find help for Thor, who is facing imminent death in a battle with a Jotun, trapped in a river with no way to fight back. Chapter 49. Well, there's your problem, you've got a sword up your nose. Magnus does the only logical thing and hurls Jack at the Jotun. Jack flies up her nose and successfully kills her, but also incurs a huge energy debt for Magnus to repay later. Thor is able to climb out of the river he was stuck in and is highly impressed with Magnus and his friends, inviting to feast on Otis and Marvin with him. Chapter 50. No spoilers, Thor is way behind on his shows. Thor rambles about Midgardian TV that he used to, oops, I mean totally still does watch, using Mjolnir, his iconic hammer which he definitely still has, and which it's really important that Magnus and Sam do not tell anyone he doesn't have, because he totally still has it. Magnus also learns about Thor's beloved sons Magnus, Magni and Modi, who don't love their dad back on account of having not been born yet, their existence currently only extending to a prophecy about how when Ragnarok rolls around they'll survive it. Thor also detects some of Sam's Loki aura, but doesn't twig her for now. Magnus explains the quest to Thor, but the god refuses to tell them where to find the wolf island, unless they retrieve a certain hammer for him. A hammer whose name rhymes with Brolnir, and which he is officially not lost but is unofficially pretty sure that the Jotun Arod has nicked. At this point, Blitz gets kicked through a portal from Folkvangna to Jotunheim, right in the middle of the camp, and just in time to get signed on to break into Arod's castle and retrieve Mjolnir. Chapter 51, we have the talk about turning into horseflies chat. Thor turns in for the night, and Blitz fills them in on how his day has been going. Freya had him doing a bunch of chores and errands in Folkvangna after he handed over her jewellery, and he's only now managed to get away. He seems pretty down, so Sam and Magnus give him a pep talk about his crafting skills, and how impressive his output in the making competition was. Boyd, Blitz heads off to Hearth's tent to sleep. After he's gone, Sam and Magnus get to talking, and Magnus accidentally lets slip that he's been talking to Loki in his dreams. This leads to a wider conversation about Sam's family, as she talks about the historical links that existed between Middle Eastern cultures and trade missions of Vikings. Her personal connection to this is that she and her fiancé's mutual ancestor, Ahmed ibn Fadlan ibn al-Abbas, was an envoy from one of the Caliphates to the Rus, Vikings who were bombing around Eastern Europe at the time. Since that encounter, her family has been intertwined with the Norse pantheon. Magnus swears to help Sam get back into the Valkyries however he can, still feeling a sense of responsibility for her getting kicked out, and also he'll hopefully help us sort out her marriage to Emir and help her get a pilot's license. The two turn in, with uh, Magnus grabbing Jack, incurring the massive energy debt that he got from the Jotun, and passing out instantly. Chapter 52. I got the horse right here. His name is Stanley. In the morning, the crew set off, while Thor stays behind with Otis and Marvin. To get to Arod's castle, they have to climb a big cliff, which is a horribly grueling experience. When they get to the top, they realise they'll have to do it many more times before they reach the castle. Hearthstone decides that he's not having this, and even if it puts him at risk from overusing his magic, produces the Eowar's rune, which symbolizes transport. This summons a six-legged flying horse whom Magnus christens Stanley. The horse is apparently a child of Sleipnir, the original six-legged flying horse, and he's happy to help the group out. All four climb on his back, and he sets off towards the castle. So Jacqueline, what do you think of these chapters? Magnus Chase, as
0: always, pretty good. R- remains good and what what else is there to
1: say episode over <laughs> there's lots to say i think there's lots to say about these chapters
0: i agree yeah uh yeah these are good ones uh we we get into a bunch of hearthstone stuff uh we we meet fucking thor for the first time it's great
1: we get into a bunch of sam stuff we get into the magnus law we get the Magnus lore about how uh, uh, Otis giving him mouth-to-mouth reminds him of that one time he kissed a girl under the bleachers at school.
0: I wanted to talk about that, actually. Magnus' like, kissing experience, his, <laughs> his, his romantic history, uh, it didn't sa- actually, it did not sound
1: like romance, exactly, uh, from what we heard of it. No, I mean, again, Magnus's instant reaction to being licked by a goat is to compare it to this experience, so it can't have been great. <laughs>
0: Now, is this because it was ba- a bad kiss because they were like middle schoolers or is this because Magnus is gay?
1: <laughs> Who says it can't be both?
0: That's true. That's true. Uh, I, I feel bad for that poor girl. Um, but <laughs> Otis
1: is a very funny guy. Otis is oh, oh, just like, he's just Marvin the fucking depressed robot from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> to the point that he even has a brother named marvin i was i was genuinely wondering if that was like a
0: deliberate reference at that point it might be uh i i don't think i actually know that uh what is that also just a robot
1: who's always trying to kill himself (laughs) he's not trying to kill himself he's just like generally miserable because he's he's got a big brain he's always thinking about incredibly morbid stuff god
0: yeah no that's sort of otis's deal he sort of understands the cycle in a way and it's sort of a he's he, what, what's happening with otis and marvin is a very like um miniature version of ever of the thing that's happening to everybody else uh mm-hmm. because because every every morning he is he's he wakes up renewed every night he is slaughtered and this is kind of just literally the thing that happens with the universe because of how like Ragnarok works for instance. And is, th- yeah th- this
1: is also just like this is the Einherji experience.
0: Exactly. Yeah, like they they are being put through this cycle in almost the exact same way that uh that, that these guys are and that I think that what we're sort of seeing here is a glimpse of like a glimpse of like the true emotion behind it all, you know what I mean? Like mm. behind behind all the surface level uh you know pol- god politicking or boasting this is just kind of how they
1: all feel all the time (laughs) i would take it at least yeah i think that otis and marvin kind of represent like two different ways of like reacting to being in that situation but otis is just fucking miserable all the time while marvin is like incredibly aggressive yeah react by lashing out Uh, not to sound insane about gundam but it is like it, it's, it's the same kind of contrast you have between like Amaro and Camille and how they like deal with being put in an extremely traumatic situation. Yes. Amaro just shuts down and Camille lashes out. That's a good that's a good call. Yeah.
0: Um it, it we we get these two sides of the spectrum here. I think that actually is a pretty good call for like how uh to I think that these characters are also because they work just sort of on the beat for beat, like some silly shit's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Uh like they are very it's funny to watch Otis be very sad and funny to watch Marvin uh
1: do his thing. Uh, be angry, I guess. That Otis, sort of makes it uh huh. Otis is definitely a type of stereotype where he is like he's annoying depressed guy who won't shut up about his therapist.
0: Yeah, no, that's true, honestly. Frankly, when you're fucking Thor's constant companion,
1: I can't blame him. I mean, yeah. If I if I also had to spend all of time around Thor, I would need a fucking therapist. Should we talk about Thor? Let's talk about Thor. We spend a
0: lot of time here about like the real Thor as compared to the pop culture Thor, the MCU Thor. Yes. Uh what 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 is what is the the real Thor like?
1: The real Thor is a big, kind of beefy. Almost like he's almost described as having like a dad bod, where he's yeah. not like the muscular arms, but like, kind of like the big belly. He's ginger, he's shirtless, he's incredibly smelly. Uh, he's just, he just seems like a big dumb idiot who likes hitting things and doesn't really think about anything beyond that.
0: Yeah, basically. And
1: it's not I'll a flattering so- image.
0: It's not flattering. But you know what? It kind of also isn't in a way that is like impressive to me. Uh huh. It's not exactly what Loki said you it's, Magnus should expect either. Yeah. Loki was hyping us up for this guy to be fucking evil. And he's just kind of a shitty guy in a way that like this is I mean that is the evil of evil of Thor a little bit I suppose mm-hmm. like in Loki's perception. But uh I found myself weirdly charmed by him. Hmm. I he ended up coming off as just such a like
1: complete loser we're not absolutely i mean he watches arrow only a fucking loser would watch arrow maybe this
0: is maybe just me as someone who has 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 dabbled in arrow uh has watched every single episode of arrow maybe that's why i find myself having a bit of sympathy for him but he he's a big asshole but he's also just I don't. He's he's completely removed from the idea of humanity, but also kind of in love with it, and that's a great yeah. type of character.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see how like, you know, he's he's a loser, and he's just kind of a shit you do to be around. I can see how Loki, having been like stuck in a basement getting poison dripped on him for like thousands of years because of some shit that Thor did, uh, he would he would have like that. He has been twisted in his head to like Thor is fucking evil. Absolutely. And what he is, is just a big TV guy. This... Uh, I'm surprised that this dates this book more than the MCU stuff. Literally, yeah. Who the fuck is still talking about The Walking Dead? No, I, I
0: do have some mutuals who have gotten into The Walking Dead recently. Uh, they do not <laughs> like it, from what I understand. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's The Walking Dead...
1: Um, there's a Sherlock mention. I was so disappointed that Magnus did not mention Doctor Who when that came up. I was hoping he would. I was really hoping. <laughs> it is interesting. Does, does Magnus actually like Doctor Who? Did Do we make that up? He does.
0: He does. He used to go on the library computers and watch Doctor Who, right? I, I don't remember if that was in the book or if we have invented that for him. Either way, there have been a lot of Doctor Who
1: references. I so think, I, there I, was think one, he, I think he said the one thing looked like a Dalek one time, and that's how we got here. No, no, there were there totally were
0: there totally were. <laughs> um, I think we so, may have gaslit ourselves into thinking he's a Doctor Who fan. He's a huge Doctor Who fan, and I know this, <laughs> but but I I was hoping he would have some comments about Sherlock or something. Uh, but I I god okay he talks about fucking arrow and the league of assassins and Mm -hmm. i need to know thor's opinion on like oh my god uh because he specifically is like damn those guys just keep coming back no matter how much you don't like they keep getting their asses kicked just like the Mm -hmm. league of assassins and arrow um which is one of those like very specific references that makes me know that rick riordan also watched arrow absolutely
1: yeah what I'm curious about is why he says League of Assassins and not like Rachel Ghoul. League of Assassins. So we're introduced to League. Okay,
0: light arrow spoilers. I'm sorry, Jane. I don't um, give a shit. <laughs> eventually, I'll show it. To, I'll show you all of it, and then you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, we get introduced to them via uh, one of. Oliver's old flames coming back to life and having been trained by them. Hmm. She's being she's assassins are being sent after her. In season three, we actually meet Ra's Al Ghul, and he's by that point I think sending assassins after everyone. Uh, But at that point, he like Oliver gets into the League of Assassins and he becomes like the king for a little bit. Uh, But they just keep coming back. Uh, it turns out that like Malcolm Merlin, who you may remember as being played by Jack Harkness, or uh, is also part of the League of Assassins. That's how he was trained. Uh, they're they're
1: fucking everywhere in Arrow. I see, and and Thor's fucking comment on this is, wow, they're a persistent villain faction in a TV show. They just keep coming back. Yes, yes, exactly. This fucking Kronos guy just keeps coming back, you know. Or actually, yeah. I wish he didn't. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't he no matter how
0: this is your doctor who this is <laughs> no but frankly he he does seem like that kind of very surface level TV watcher also like he's like a power scaler you start talking about like who would win in a fight between Rick from The Walking Dead and like Mike from Breaking Bad <laughs> and I think that was the point that actually got me to be like okay this is just like a guy this is just some guy
1: yeah that, that I, I was initially worried that this was just going to be like just, like, a bunch of pop culture references for the sake of it, but it does, like, it does characterize Thor as just being, like, a fucking idiot.
0: Yeah. He's your shitty, like,
1: uncle or cousin, right? (laughs) He keeps telling you that Game of Thrones is great because it's fantasy for people who don't like fantasy.
0: Literally, literally. It's, like... Thor, Thor has opinions about fantasy in a way that make no sense based on who he is, like, cosmologically. <laughs> uh, I like the giant they fight. I do, I do, I do like the giant woman. I, I like that she just, like, genuinely feels giant, like, in a way that, like, the giants from Heroes of Olympus certainly didn't.
1: God, yeah, no, because there there is, like that whole um, like bait and switch where Magnus is like oh there's two fucking pillars over there what's the deal with that and then a few pages later he's like oh those are legs
0: yeah I I have Uh to say
1: something I don't mean to be crass but the way that she is like attacking Thor is that she has like gotten the flow of a river between her legs and is like compressing it so that it is like splashing on him really hard and like battering him uh, and that's why they need to come and help him and i I know deep in my soul that there was a previous draft of this summer on Rick Ryden's hard drive where she was peeing
0: <laughs> yeah, you think so
1: I, I I just I feel like that is such it's it's one of two things either she was peeing in an earlier draft or this is like a specific reference to like something in a saga <laughs> I can this see is such that part a weird true. a weirdly specific thing to pull
0: right no, i I I could see that part being true. I don't think Rick Riordan would ever write about piss. Mm. Mm. He would. He would never do it. Uh, I mean, unless it was. Ch-
1: like... Chiron was always pissing on people's shoes.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. He was always doing. Like that was always <laughs> on the page too. It was like it was like basically canonical. How We're he was bringing just back always all the pissing. lore
1: that we've made up this episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't make that up. That was remember Jane. That was just canonical and on the page. Uh-huh. Oh God. Um, i like how in our new the,
1: promo we do imply that that's real
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah Um. Oh, god uh it, apart from just genuinely feeling fucking massive i the way that she goes out <laughs> magnus uses jack already for a huge thing i was literally last episode you were like i bet jack and magnus are gonna have to depart because he uses him to like ...do, like, defeat a huge opponent who he would never be able to defeat otherwise. hmm
1: And, uh, well, turns out it's okay, mostly. Turns out that he can just fucking hurl that sword and it'll do the thing. Which I do think and is very funny, that it just flies up her nose and fucking... ...turns her brain into soup, I guess? That's
0: the th- It's not gone into detail enough, but I have to imagine what he does is literally
1: just scramble her brain. Just goes in and just starts fucking spinning. That's c- kind of scary. That is—it's kind of scary that that could just happen to you if you're a giant.
0: Like maybe it's worse to be a giant, but what? I guess people could have really small swords, maybe.
1: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Or maybe this is like this is the giant equivalent of just like randomly dying of a brain aneurysm. The god. Yeah, she had, <laughs> she had no idea what was happening. It was very out of nowhere. Does anyone? Does anyone smell steel? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad. And then Thor casually dislocates Magnus sh- Magnus's shoulder, which is the funniest fucking thing. Yeah, he's he's just such an inconsiderate asshole. Yes, absolutely. He, he doesn't realize that he's he can like lift a thousand tons, punch with the strength of an of a mountain, and also that he's wearing like iron greaves as he does it. Hmm. Hearth. Hearth has
1: gone through it.
0: Hearth is having a rough time. He has a a big. He he is in like. Some capital D despair. He has a black knot of grief deep within his heart that even mm-hmm. Magnus cannot heal.
1: He keeps keeling over and almost dying because he's not been put out in the sun.
0: Okay, wait. Can we fucking chapter forty eight Hearthstone passes out even more than Jason Grace? Though I have no idea who that is. Opinions uh, on this chapter title?
1: I don't like this. You don't like it? I because I one of the things I like about like the chapter titles we get like PJO and this is that they like. like... I think they work very well to, like, characterize the narrator if they're done well. And this is, like, this does not characterize Magnus in any way because he shouldn't know who Jason is. It's just, it it feels like cheap fan service in a way that, like, I thought this book was above with, like, the way it treated Annabeth. No, I completely agree. And it feels too meme-y, I
0: think. Yes. Like... We talked about how Jason Grace passed out all the time. That's mm. true. Um Rick Riordan, you
1: can't do that. You can't have one of your chapter titles be a joke about it. Yeah, especially because like I feel like that was I feel like a lot of the time when Jason was passing out is because he ate shit and had like massive head trauma. Whereas like it's very different for Hearth, who was just like exhausted and has not been given enough vitamin D so he keeps fucking passing out. If it
0: it was like Hearthstone passes out even more than that lightning guy that Andabas told me about. Maybe uh, that's something. Um
1: uh, but th- this is this is a little bit too far for me. It was also a little bit disappointing because I was like, oh, I maybe maybe like there's gonna be a Jason mention like dropped in this chapter somewhere to like contextualize this and make it make sense. Cause I was like, Oh, well maybe like maybe Thor is aware of Jason. Like they both have like domains that are to do with like lightning and thunder and stuff, so maybe he just like mentions- uh-huh. That fucking kid or whatever, but no, it it never comes. Yeah, hey, I think this is just
0: required and leaning into the
1: meme too much. Just yeah, it's it's a, it's a bit much.
0: Hearth, you said it all in the summaries. He's had kind of a, he's having sort of a, a a dark life, a grim sort of life.
1: It's I I like the way that like disabled characters, especially, are like often treated as like societal outcasts are like a big thing in a lot of these books but I think this is probably like the roughest backstory we've ever gotten for something like that probably
0: yeah like it's it's very explicit and how like how his parents abused him like very in detail
1: and I kind of I feel like if you if you had like written this as the first book and you went straight into that it could feel almost a little bit like I don't know like exploitative but I feel like because we've gotten like a whole bunch of other like different experiences before this I think this is like this stands out without feeling like it's just going to, like, misery porn, you know?
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, I get that. It, it it drives home a very interesting theme, which is, like, hollowness and self-harm. Like, the self-harm of pursuing your goals, almost. Yeah. And that's kind of what, like, the book is about, a little bit. That's another one of those things where it's, like, Magnus is doing things... Like, Magnus is doing things uh, that he has no idea that, uh, like... How dangerous they are to himself or mm-hmm. like how uh he he's left sort of on an edge of like will this destroy everything or will this be like good and how will it hurt me personally that's like very much what a lot of like sort of hides behind uh the larger plots of this plots like structures of the book and you know a lot of that sort of same thing is happening with uh I mean like kind of otis right like that's that same hollowness where like you're going through <laughs> life doing the
1: things you do uh but you're a fucking shell inside yeah definitely there, there there is just like there's a lot of characters who just seem to be like deep neck deep in absolute despair <laughs> like this is even like this is what um magnus's hallmates are talking to him about earlier in the book as well where they're like giving him suggestions to stop that from happening to him because it's a distinct possibility for I here you right, there is a danger of ennui, uh-huh,
0: it's like an existential danger um and hearth is someone who has been like just really beat up by that specific concept mm-hmm. uh so i I don't know, I hope we hear more i i'm i this is building up a really interesting arc, especially you know in in tandem with like his
1: boyfriend's arc. uh yeah, yeah. yeah where
0: they they do literally sleep together and in, and in they get chapters. in the
1: same tent. I I don't I feel like it's gone beyond a joke at this point.
0: Yeah, no, there's no joke to it anymore. Blitz and Hearth <laughs> are simply are simply fucking married. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of marriages, it's okay. They're very very distant cousins. This is this is as distant as it gets, I think. <laughs> I think so. It's like if someone was like, "Oh yeah, those people—they're both related via uh,
1: Attila the Hun." It's like,
0: okay, but are they related anymore?
1: <laughs> God, yeah, that—that that is about the level that it's operating on. Should we should we get into the Sam backstory stuff? Yeah, we can do that.
0: We have uh, a ibn Fadlan, right? Yes. Uh, he he was a real guy. I looked into him a bit. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, he's a. A, a lot more real than whatever
1: the fuck was going on with Frank <laughs> not only was he a real guy he is like credited with the shit that Rick said he did which is yes. insane That like he's put some real history in these books that is not like completely unfounded or like a, a reskinned racist conspiracy <laughs> theory yeah
0: and I have to I want to just like read some of this stuff from the Wikipedia page okay The way that uh, this guy sort of described, uh, I guess, the ancient Vikings, basically, they are the filthiest of all Allah's creatures. They do not purify themselves after excreting or urinating or wash themselves (laughs) in a state of ritual impurity after coitus and do not even wash
1: their hands after food. I feel like Sam would say all of this about Magnus. So this, it, it runs in the family. Uh, probably, yes. I he really I I think I think he's a clean boy. I don't know. Can I also can I read you uh what I think is the mo- uh, an interesting little bit in his uh Wikipedia page?
0: Of course, of course I, I hope you're all okay with internet on tape for a little bit.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, this is near the bottom. Uh Samira Sam al Abbas, a main character from Magnus Chase and the Gods of Asgard, as well as her betrothed Amir Fadlan, are said to be descendants of Ahmad I- ibn Fadlan so they made it onto his wikipedia page which i just think is neat that's awesome uh that that's very cool but yeah i do want to give rick like a big gold star for this uh both because like the history is actually accurate for once which you know that's it's good and it's interesting to like give kids like really, real interesting history to look at and also because i think it builds on what he was uh doing with the the arranged marriage stuff earlier where he's like like demystifying like uh, uh muslim cultures and he's doing it in this context by like placing them historically where like instead of just like oh islam was the thing that popped into existence around the time that fucking 9-11 happened it's like no this uh-huh. is this is like a real historical thing that is like a major world religion that i am not only like placing in a historical context but specifically placing in context with a thing that a lot of like kids educated in american public schools would have heard of which is the vikings and it kind of gives them a frame of reference to like think about that and it make it less of this like you know like scary thing that's made out to be by fucking islamophobic rags
0: yeah no absolutely i think going for like the islam like the golden age of islam uh you know that sort of era uh, and specifically going for like a guy who was like a traveler right sort of mm-hmm. a uh, like that that is a type of like like that is a very common type of like European historical account that you'll hear. Yeah. Uh and so I, I think probably when the kids will be familiar with, like, you know, they'll they'll have heard about like, oh, Marco Polo went around and did stuff, you know, people like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So and I think that's a that is a reference point, you know, merchants, travelers, people like that as a reference point that like kids reading this book will be able to easily grasp onto. Yeah. And I guess at some point along his journeys he fucked Loki or
1: something. <laughs> yeah, Sam is kind of vague about it and it's just like, oh no our family's history has been intertwined ever since, but I I guess it's not impossible.
0: It's not impossible. Uh, no I have I don't it, he probably just met or maybe not Loki, but like one of the one of these disgusting ladies, presumably.
1: <laughs> a filthy, unwashed muscular Norse shield maiden. Uh huh,
0: exactly. I think I have COVID. Each woman wears on either breast a box of iron, silver, copper, or gold. The value of the box indicates the wealth of a husband. Each box has a ring from which depends a knife. The women wear neck rings of gold and silver. The most prized ornaments are green glass beads. They string them as necklaces for their women. Uh, And apparently. Uh, Ibn Fadlan describes them as perfect physical specimens, uh,
1: <laughs> and he, he gets says that they
0: have they have sex openly, even in groups. So you know, <laughs> who, who knows what he could have gotten up to with them? See, this is the thing. This is history that you can relate to. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm always doing this. <laughs> Magnus
1: is very nice to Sam here. I this is this is such a like sweet little like development in their relationship. Where, like, they they have, like, opened up and, like, been sincere with one another before, but unlike that time it happened on the boat, I feel like there was a lot less awkwardness to it here, and you can really, like, you can feel them being more comfortable around each other.
0: Yeah, they're, beco- they're becoming each other's biggest hype man a little bit, or at least
1: yeah. Magnus is becoming Samira's. Mm-hmm. Her job, her job, her job sl- was kind of to be uh, his hype man back in uh, um, Valhalla, and she just kind of chokeslammed him a lot instead. Yeah, I don't know that she was very good at her job in that case. <laughs> we also get a little bit of um, a little bit of like Magnus giving uh, Sam like the side eye because you know all that stuff yes. that Loki put in his head about like oh you know she's a lot more like me than she likes to admit, and I like that. That isn't being communicated by like, oh, uh, Sam's eyes are turning red and she's like speaking in fucking tongues or something because she's being corrupted by demonic forces. And it's just like it's the fact that like she's becoming closer to Loki just by like shifting forms, and that is like a thing that is cosmologically similar to what Loki represents. And like just that kind of naturally is like aligning her more with his perspective rather than it being some like supernatural force of evil or something
0: right yeah she's becoming more like loki in so far as like you get a unique perspective on the world when you can shapeshift right yeah um and also sometimes you have a six-legged she... horse baby Okay, we we do check off here the Loki horse fucking, which we knew would come up we, eventually. But... We, it it was always going to be made into a joke at some point in these books. And Rick did it as quickly and as probably as good as he could have. Probably. <laughs> and it's interesting because Sam also—it's not just that Magnus is giving her the side eye or thing. Specifically, it's that Sam is sort of reveals that she has a bunch of insecurities about doing this that she doesn't want to become more like loki mm-hmm. um and, and because what happens here is that you know magnus opens up to her about the fact that he uh has been talking to loki and she basically says don't listen to any of the shit that he says
1: well I, opens up as a strong word he accidentally lets slip that's he but then he opens up yeah um
0: he you're right though she does catch him in a bit of a Well, how do you? Why are you talking like you've talked to Loki before that type of thing? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting to me, like, what is it about Loki that, or like, is it just that he is like the big villain and that's why she doesn't want to be like him? Hmm. I I wonder.
1: I wonder if it is just a thing of like he is viewed as like the big villain from like you know the Odin perspective, and you know she was trying to be like a good member of the Valkyrie, she kind of had to like disavow that part of her heritage to like get in and it's just like maybe she's internalized that stuff
0: i think that's true i like she has a very traditionalist sort of view in that way she wants Mm -hmm. to be a she she wants to sort of exceed within these areas of specialization that have that are available to her uh she wants to you know join the valkyries excel there she wants to become a pilot excel there um and i think part of that Thing that is you know sort of accepting the structure uh, and thriving yeah. within it,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Blitz uh, gives out morning maggot energy bars, uh, which really made me think of Coach Hedge. That
1: yeah, that that feels very Coach Hedge coded. <laughs> which I think I think it's probably more of a joke about how the dwarves were maggots, but oh, I didn't I you know what that didn't actually occur to me. I assumed that the bars were made out of maggots, but I guess that'd be cannibalism. Or would it be? I mean, I guess other there are species that do cannibalism constantly, right? I guess that'd be like so, if we, we ate some amoeba and we were like, this is cannibalism.
0: Yeah, if we ate like a fucking... I really wouldn't want to eat... Like, whatever kind of thing just crawled out of the ocean and developed legs. <laughs> I really don't think I would want to eat it, actually, though. I would feel too sad. <laughs> Although, from what it sounds like maggots literally formed
1: into dwarves like almost instantaneously, like through magic? Yeah, so maybe there's like, there's maybe there's just like, they don't even consider it weird.
0: Yeah, so like what, whatever the literal last stage of evolution was before like Homo
1: sapien, I guess if we try to eat that. So if we, so we need to kill and eat a monkey on the podcast is what you're saying. I think that might be illegal. <laughs>
0: I guess we have to go podcast in a country where that's legal to do. (laughs) If there are any. Um, I
1: I strongly suspect that there are anti-poaching laws. We just need to find somewhere where they're not enforced. Yeah, yeah, you're right. When we hit 100 pounds a month on Patreon.
0: Yeah, actually, I think think I've put this into words. The way that Thor is charming is like the exact opposite way that Loki is charming. Loki is charming because he's saying things that you want to believe in, right? Mm-hmm like he's saying things that are very compelling and like he's drawing you in with just the general affable air thor is charming because he is incredibly off-putting and obviously doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about
1: I, he's like a he's like an animal i love the interactions between him and half where half is like signing at magnus what is this dipshit talking about and Thor yeah. is like looking at him and because he doesn't know sign language he's just like yes you're a very wise elf I am the mightiest of all the gods
0: you're deaf doesn't he literally no maybe this, that's somebody at one point is like hey you notice your elf is deaf
1: <laughs> I don't remember who said that but that feels like a Thor thing to say
0: he's also very eager to send all these people off to die for his cause of course and then also enslave them if they don't do what he wants absolutely he he is awful. He is awful to be clear. Uh so we we can't we can't we're not no no big ups to Thor or anything like that.
1: <laughs> I don't think that was ever in any doubt, but it's good to confirm it. Speaking of Thor, I think uh one of the really interesting things that we learned about him is that, uh is about like uh, Magni and Modi, his sons. Oh yes. Which are like who don't exist yet but are just like fated to like eventually be born and then survive Ragnarok which I really like as an inclusion because like the idea that there is some kind of like when Ragnarok happens there is going to be a post Ragnarok where there are still people around and stories that can happen I think yeah, like, that paradoxically it lowers the stakes from where things were in like Heroes of Olympus or Kane Chronicles where it's like no the world will just explode if we fail And by, like, by bringing Ragnarok down a couple of notches, it suddenly brings it into the realm of, like, okay, it is possible within, like, the way these books are structured that maybe Ragnarok does happen, and we have to deal with the consequences of that. And it makes it feel like the stakes are actually higher. Yeah, no, I think
0: that's, I hadn't even considered that aspect. I think that sort of passed over me. But in a world where everything is, like, just repeating over and over again,
1: how how does that work? like well that's 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 one of the things right because i as far as i can tell the norse pantheon is distinct from the the egyptian and the greek ones because it's not repeating cycles it seems like oh. they they are just like in like linear history that is like it's mapped out by prophecy and they know all the shit that's going to happen but it is still like a process that is happening to them rather than like a series of repeating like uh patterns Right, right.
0: Like this, Thor hasn't already had those sons before. Yeah, and like that—that is—that is actually a great, like, I think, way to put it, way to define how like this feels different. And could a world exist after Ragnarok where the books are also happening? That—that's what I wonder about. Like, like,
1: could Magnus Chase Book Three be post-Ragnarok? I. I, I mean, you know, who knows where this is going to go, but uh, all I'm saying is that if you, as, as long as, like, the, the damage, like, mitigated to, like, big natural disasters on Earth, and you kept, like, the really big money shots of everything exploding for, like, the other bits of uh, the world tree, I think you could get away with actually having Ragnarok happen and then continue with the narrative after that.
0: I don't want to like work ourselves into a shoot about this and like convince ourselves this is going to happen. It
1: probably but won't happen, but like the the, prob- possi- the possibility being there I think just adds something to the book.
0: I think so too.
1: Yeah. Was well, there anything else you want to go over before we uh finish this up? Uh my my last my last thing that I know is I just like I enjoy that we get the differenti- differentiation between, like rune magic and uh, Alf Sadia. Uh, and I yes. especially like that um We've, we've kind of been given credit uh, a lot in this book for like magic blood being less of a concern uh, and the fact that like you do you can get magic from having the good blood from the gods uh, but it is inherently shittier than the magic that anybody can learn if they are willing to suffer enough.
0: yeah yeah, that's and that is a like useful distinction for like a power system as well beyond yes. just like ma- like uh, demystifying. Um, like, demystifying uh, blood power—they really fuck this up in Naruto. Um, <laughs> We're like that so? the most po- they, the most powerful thing you can be is like someone who's genetically incredibly powerful, like someone who has like a keke genkai, which means that like your clan has passed down a special sort of power in their bloodline or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think they put like in it, so it's bad. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, it's like this is letting it just kind of be two different axes of thing right yeah um where like the the, the powers of the father whatever you know the 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 bloodline ability it's 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 not the same thing as getting to do this other type of magic and having it so clearly distinct makes it feel like rather than being, having to be like well this is a less powerful magic or this is a a, a more useful magic it makes it seem more like uh i guess just like two different entities in the world that are kind of grouped under the same name
1: yeah which i think is great world building it's good world building and it also like again from like a, a magic system perspective it reminds me of like one of my favorite um uh, magic systems in like a, a ya book which is how it works in the Pleasant books where there is like this division between all the sorcerers between you can either be an elemental or you can be an adept and if you're an elemental you you are basically just like you get avatar powers yeah uh, and those are like those are very simple and very powerful in direct combat but if you're an adept you have like endless little like tricks and things up your sleeve that can make you like you can like specialize and be like way more powerful than an elemental in certain situations or just like have like a bunch of different tricks that you can pull and it's the 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 conflict between them is like do you want like a a single solid set of powers that you can like get really good at using or do you want like a much more messy and much more like difficult to use but ultimately more like versatile and potentially powerful version of magic and that to me feels like very much like what the division is between like the elf and the rune magic absolutely yeah and maybe i'll force you to read a little every like, pleasant book for something at some point they're really good i would like you're always fucking talking about them
0: <laughs> <laughs> um let me well, let me see if i have any last notes uh i oh we didn't talk about how it ends oh yeah they all died uh they all died okay well Next next time on, next time there's no more book, I guess, because they all died. Uh next time we're starting
1: uh, Trials of Apollo.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, we did we forgot to say that this was the finale. Uh so what'd you <laughs> think of Magnus Chase? It was a weird little trilogy because there's just one book.
1: Uh pretty good, right up until that really abrupt ending. I guess he just like ran out of time and had to hand it in to the publisher.
0: Yeah, got. and they were like, What is this shit? We're not giving you sequels. <laughs> we'll mark it will mark
1: it as a trilogy, but no, you know, no no, not no, absolutely not but you know to to make sure that he could at least get the first one he didn't make sure to include the ride and trademark which is to have a horse who is very sassy
0: yes um uh we get a quick mention of of, uh norse zombies uh which are called draugr
1: and Mm -hmm. they are silent so you'll never hear them coming i do love that bit where magnus is freaking out about all the sounds and blitz's version of comforting him is oh no you wouldn't hear the draugr coming anyway don't worry about it and that just freaks him (laughs) out even more (laughs) It's very fucking funny, and also,
0: I I I like that we're getting Thor's hammer. I think that's just that it feels good to do some classic shit like that, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a treat for all, all of our beloved Thor's Hammer patrons.
0: Yes, absolutely. They they have all, they are all being bonked on the head
1: by uh <laughs> by by the guy by the hammer that can play Sherlock.
0: Yes. Um. Uh, the final thing I want to say is like. We get a bit more into what you were talking earlier about how, like, you know, the gods aren't cyclical in the same way mm-hmm. that, like, the, the Egyptian or Greek gods kind of seem to be. They're more linear. They're also not quite as immortal as the other gods are. Mm. Um, the it, Norse gods seem to be immortal in a very specific way, um, which is that they don't die of old age. They're very yeah. powerful. And also, if you chop their head off or chop their arms off, or kill them with a fucking thistle dart, then they'll, you know, they'll still die or be cut apart. And that's that I really just love that distinction. It makes them just feel they are Rick Riordan has very successfully established these as different kinds of things than uh like the Great Gods.
1: Yeah, I think like I think there's like two ends of a spectrum and one end is like the Egyptian gods which are like conceptually at least meant to be like these kind of primal forces and then on the other end there's like the Norse gods who are the most explicitly just like super powered jackasses and then the Greek gods kind of sit in the middle of that spectrum
0: yeah absolutely
1: and I guess Jesus is on there somewhere I keep forgetting about <laughs> this, this I guess so this Thor tried to fight Jesus
0: and I almost think he would have lost yeah He's very powerful, though. He probably he could have broken Jesus's arm, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that we've got like the the, the down to earth sort of gritty gods. You know, it it fits mm-hmm. the Magnus Chase tone. Yeah, I think that'll be it for us this week, though. I think so. Yeah. N- not so sad. Not so sad. Uh, who you got for this week?
1: Uh, hmm. If you're gonna allow me to go first, I may go for the obvious uh, and say that uh. Blitz just being like, alright, time to time to get into the, the tent with my husband. And like, complaining at him to like, move over, you're hogging all the space, and then like delicately tugging him, him in. I don't remember if that actually happened or if I made it up. <laughs> it's, uh, I think he does, yeah. Okay, uh, I I feel like that's, come on. <laughs> come
0: on. Literally, yeah. I think that the giant... Uh-huh. What the fuck am I saying?
1: <laughs> um, wait, wait. I know I know why it's the giant. Is it because piss kink? <laughs> <laughs> no. Something something? No, it's, that's not what I was going to say, actually.
0: <laughs> what were you going to say? Uh,
1: I was going to say because I think that uh, getting a sword thrown up your nose, which then like shreds your brain, counts technically as top surgery, because it's surgery that's happening to the top of your body.
0: I fuck it yeah uh, <laughs> he him sort of trans trans mask lesbian giant <laughs> this is my this is my vision you mm-hmm. don't have enough he him lesbians in the inverse, actually we have zero currently and that is something that needs to be rectified Rick and I'm fucking banging on your door <laughs> that's it our intro and outro music is "Super Ocean" by Space Pony. You can find that on OCRMX.
1: Our cover art is by Vera at nsmith underscore n on Twitter.
0: We are hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network, moonshotpods.com, goodfuckingpodcast.com, on all the socials. We, we're, we've got a lot of good stuff coming up that you all unlocked, uh, thanks to donating during Extra Life. Um, and, you know, we're going to get out a bunch of cool stuff, uh, including Dead Teen House Party, which I am a part of, is going to be doing a... Uh, an actual play of I think the game Bringing Down the House uh, which is a very fun, uh, I believe, I think it's about a haunted house where we'll be playing Mm -hmm. the haunted house. Uh, So that is quite exciting. Other stuff is that if you want to find us, you can go to Twitter, Tumblr, Blue Sky, co-host Unwise Girls. We've got links to episodes when they come out. We've got links to our Discord server. We've got uh, a... Uh, visual companions when they are needed. We've got jokes. We've got all the stuff. Uh also if you want to support us, you can go to uh your podcast app of choice, leave so a five star rating and review. You can also tell a friend about us. That is super helpful. Or you can go to patreon.com slash unwise girls where you can for a dollar a month get the Discord role of Certified Chaser. For three dollars <laughs> a month you get the Discord
1: role of Mid Guardian plus all our bonus content. Uh, if you enjoyed the the brief glimpse into uh, Gundam sick on us earlier in, in this episode, we are still covering Iron-Blooded Orphans on the bonus show. If you would like to listen to our latest episode, where we talk about four straight episodes of uh, children shooting each other and smashing each other to death with giant robots, if that sounds like your idea of a good time, sign up for the Patreon. <laughs> That's
0: right. And for $5 a month, you get the Discord roll of Thor's Hammered, all of our bonus content,
1: and... A special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mint, I Love Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Mercy, Bree, and Erica.
0: Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye! Bye! This is Clem Bianchi. I'm a courier, delivering mail in space, one package at a time. If you're hearing this message, I need some help. I'm trying to deliver a package to a guy on Pluto. Says his name is Gorge Flummox. If anyone knows a Gorge Flummox on Pluto, please let him know I've been trying to reach him about his box of Lunarian cheese. I know the box is full of cheese because, for the last few weeks, I've started hearing things when I touch my cargo. When I pick up a letter or a package, I hear conversations and sometimes even see things tied to whoever the mail is for or from. I call it the letter opener. It's yanked me into some real situations. A haunted house, a pizza delivery drag race, and even a revolution to take a city back from the bigwigs who keep its hoverboard sports engine humming. You can hear all about it on Additional Postage Required, a bi-weekly audio drama on the Moonshot Podcast Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Anyway, if you know Gorge, Please tell him to give me a call. I think his cheese is starting to move around in the box.